0: Well, I, I'll start with the challenges part first. Uh, you know, early on, I made a lot of decisions, you know, from my heart. Like People talk about, you know, you, you, you make decisions from your head or from your heart, and certainly you can break that down further. Uh, what I mean by that is I would find people that I really liked. Like, I really liked the person. I thought they were great. Uh, I saw a ton of potential in them. I enjoyed being around them, and I wanted to help them.
1: That was Colin Carr on this week's episode of the People of Veterinary Medicine podcast. The People of Veterinary Medicine, brought to you by Luca Veterinary Data Security. Greetings DVMs, practice managers, vet techs, support staff, veterinary consultants, and podcast enthusiasts. Welcome or welcome back. In this week's episode, we are talking with Colin Carr of Carr Realty, who he is the founder and owner of a veterinary-specific realty commercial realty company. And what I loved about Colin's story was that he, he had figured out so many things that I didn't figure out until much later in life. And so I was really fascinated as to what that catalyst was and what kind of pushed him to kind of go against the stream, to kind of go against what the norm was and to really figure this out. And now kind of really have put the years and the time in to really build a great company with a great culture. And on that note, we get a lot into, again, uh, the people of veterinary medicine, right? The people that make your business work. The idea of actually building a culture the right way, leading by example, um, and not just by words. And a lot of a lot of those kind of important topics. But there were just so many things in Colin's story that he has already accomplished that, you know, are on the forefront for me that I really want to accomplish, right? You know, he talks about the – he had mentioned early on this idea of – he wanted it more than somebody else. And when I asked him to kind of elaborate on that, the idea came back to, you know, he really wanted to help somebody succeed and he knew that if he just gave them a certain tool set that they can make it happen. And for me, I just love that idea because there's nothing more that excites me to help somebody else be successful. And if I can help give them the tools to help them reach that, it really, that feels better than closing any deal or, or, building any new products or anything like that. There's just a real excitement and a joy for me in really helping others and seeing other people succeed. And so that also really resonated with me. So there was just so many things in his moral values and the way he approaches business that just really resonated with me. And I think it's a really great conversation. And I really think you're going to get a lot out of this. So with that being said, sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. But first, this episode is brought to you by Luca Veterinary Data Security, where our mission is to help veterinary practice owners everywhere realize the value of their data and help them take the necessary steps to protect it. So if you need help protect data in your practice, the first thing you can do is go to Luca.vet and download our five simple steps to protect your practice ebook which is free. So again, go to www.luka.vet and look for our five simple steps to start protecting your practice. All right. So I hope the uh, COVID test and everything came back negative.
0: Yes, it did, thankfully. Um, That's good. Yeah, I mean, I, so I haven't man, I thankfully, I haven't been sick for, I don't want to say, honestly, like 10 years and, I just had a few weeks where I was burning it harder than I normally do and just got run down. And so, um, just need to take a good like a breather. And then my wife's parents were in town and they're a little bit older. And so my wife was like, Hey, you know, would you just go take the test just to make sure it's not whatever. Cause it manifests so differently. And so, yeah, so I took a day or two, hung out went and got tested, came back negative and, uh, Job back in and good to go from here on out.
1: All right, man. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, it seems to be one of those diseases where it's like a little bit of Russian roulette, right? Like you could be one of those people and like, I think who is the Broncos player that had it that, you know, he didn't even he didn't even realize he was sick, but then tested positive, And so he had to quarantine. And I think it's because somebody else in his family tested positive, but he didn't even know. And then you have other people where not only do they get sick that and they, they potentially die or you have people that like have these long lasting effects that go into months and months after the infection. So it's just it is like the widest spectrum of potential cases that you could you could ever imagine with this thing. So, yeah, it's exactly. Crazy. exactly. All right. Well, that's enough about uh, COVID, I think. Everybody's probably sick of COVID in the year that is 2020. You know, I mean, uh, what a year this has been. But, anyways, well, thanks for joining me today. And, um, you know, I, I uh, I think it, who's it that, uh, I'm drawing a blank on her name, Amanda? She's yeah. too. Yeah. So I've been talking with her and, and I think I've, uh, met somebody else that works with you through, cause you're here in Denver, right? Yep. I am. Yeah. So I think through the Rocky Mountain Bet Partners meetings, I think I've, uh, I
0: think I met somebody through
1: through that group. But anyway, so there's oh, been a long...
0: Brad Sheedsby, most likely.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's been this like long line of connection back to car realty and I've never had it. So it's nice to finally sit down and get to talk with you. So the one, uh, really the only canned question that I like, always like to start with is, you know, what what's your background? Like What how did you get to where you're at today? And how did you start this kind of veterinary specific realty company?
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so, are we live right now, or do you want to? Yeah,
1: talk? yeah, we're good. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. Um, sorry, man. I thought we were just shooting the breeze. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: No, it's good. It's all right. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, I got involved in real estate when I was 19 years old. I started managing apartment complexes back when I lived in Michigan, uh, moved to Colorado when I was 20, and I continue to manage apartment complexes near the downtown Denver area. Got my broker's license when I was 23, and did uh, what I'd call traditional real estate. I did I did retail, I did industrial, I did office, and if it if it moved, I chased it. Over the years, I started uh, getting the opportunity to work for more healthcare providers, and I fell in love with helping people that are helping people. Uh, I started doing some some dental deals, some medical deals, and then I did my first animal hospital uh, back around 2009. And just thoroughly enjoyed the process. It was a a build the suit of a new 6,000 square foot hospital. And I just, I loved it. I loved working with the doctor. I loved working uh, with with the industry. And so uh, I started our company, which is now CAR, formerly CAR Healthcare Realty. I started that back in 2009 with the focus of only representing healthcare tenants and buyers. And that's what we've done for the last 12 years is exclusively representing doctors Uh, no listings no landlords no signs in front of buildings just helping the doctors uh, as a tenant or buyer
1: so you got started managing apartments at the age of 19 i mean at the age of 19 i was like playing in rock bands riding skateboards going snow you know snowboarding i mean what was it that at the at such a young age you were into this kind of real estate market
0: you know, I, I love to learn, and but I, I wasn't interested in going to college. I went and audited a couple of college courses and sat through a handful of courses for a week or two, and I just couldn't figure out what I was interested in doing. And so the prospect of going, you know, a couple of years into a system where I didn't know if it was going to actually have any application in my future wasn't very exciting. Instead, I took a different approach where I just started finding people that were successful in different industries and then asking if I could shadow or pick their brain or take them to lunch. And I did that with a number of people uh, over a few month period. And I found a gentleman that owned about 13 apartment complexes. And I literally said, you know, I'll, I'll work for free. Can I just hang out with you or shadow you? And he let me do that. So I started shadowing this guy at 19, and every day was something new and different. And it was extremely fascinating. And I had always been interested in real estate. And so for me, it was it was a chance to learn something that I was intrigued by. And that started the process of me uh wanting to pursue an actual career industry in real estate.
1: So you know, at the time there there I'm not sure if it is so much these days, but at the time was there a lot of pressure from your your family to say, hey, no, you should, you know, what are you doing? You should go to college, you know, get an education. What was the family dynamic like and kind of the support, um, especially at such a young age?
0: Yeah. The, the first response was, What do you mean you're not going to go to college? Like, you have to go to college. You know, my dad's a teacher, and, you know, my dad, grandpa, brother, everyone went to Michigan State. So there's like, Well, what do you mean you're not going to go to college? Um, but that wore off pretty quickly. And once they realized that I was excited about learning something specifically and getting after it, uh, they supported it right away. And so, yeah, I think the the, the shock, the, the shock value up front is, hey, wait, wait, what are you saying? What's going on? Or so you're not going to do what everyone else is doing. Why not? And then once I explained to them my thought process, they were like, yeah, that makes sense. And you can always go back and if you change your mind, you can start next semester. And if it works out great. And, and they became very supportive, which was awesome.
1: So did you so were you kind of the first on, entrepreneur within your family?
0: For the most part, yeah. For the most part, yeah. My my dad was a teacher for thirty years. Uh, my mom uh, cut hair for a living, and they were awesome and, and amazing parents. But never really saw the the business side of things. And uh, the majority of my parents' friends were also teachers. And so I just I never really saw the business side of things until I you know moved out of the house and, and started supporting myself at, at at age eighteen. I started realizing things were different. And I got excited by the idea that I could make it happen and, and go find ways to learn and, and make a living. And so that's what I did.
1: So what was the catalyst to make you move out at such a, such a young age? Uh, I, I asked that question only because I did the same thing. I think I was like 18 or 19 when I moved out. But the thing was, is I grew up in a small, like little hillbilly redneck kind of, sorry anyway anybody that's. I hope that's not, that's not offensive to anybody, but it's kind of what it was. It was like the backwoods, it's up cold Creek Canyon. And really the, you know, they said that the running joke at the time up there, and I think it's changed a lot now was basically was a place for people to run away, you know, and kind of get away from the law and kind of be able to hide out, but yet still be close enough to society to be able to get food and supplies and stuff. So, you know, when I was old enough to get an apartment and I had a friend that had uh had moved out and he needed a roommate, I was like quick to jump on and actually get down and live in golden and not have like this hour long commute just to get down to see my friends. So, you know, that's what the catalyst for me was. But so for you, you know, what, what was it at such a young age that you wanted to support yourself?
0: You know, I, I knew that I didn't want to go to college. And so the, the question was, all right, well, what's next? And the the reality was, it's, you know, get down and dirty and get after it and find out what you want to do. And And for me, I, I love to learn, but I need to learn in areas that I'm actually interested or intrigued in. Uh, when it comes to school, uh, I, I mean, I checked out of school probably in the, the ninth grade. I still finished high school, still had, you know, good grades, honor students, stuff like that. But uh, it wasn't interesting to me. It was really a, a, a test of you know, how quickly can you memorize information to pass the test and then you move on to the next thing and you never apply it or never use it again. So for me, it was like, all right, what's the, what is the process here? And it's it's the art of learning. Can you learn something? Can you apply it? And then when I found things that I was actually interested in that I thought would apply to my life that I could use and leverage to help other people, to help myself, to make a difference that got very exciting for me. And so when I started realizing there's ways for me to get out there and grow personally, grow professionally, help other people, make a living, uh, that for me was the catalyst of, all right, let's get out there. And let's make it happen.
1: So were you surrounded by, um, you know, like your friends at the time? Were they working like odd jobs at, you know, waiting tables at Chili's or or something like that? And then here you are kind of getting in and start, really starting to build the foundation of your career or were you kind of surrounded by a bunch of uh, friends and stuff that were kind of going down the same path?
0: No, everyone that I am friends with was uh, going to college. Like, I mean, there might have been an exception that I you know don't remember, but I would say you know ninety nine percent of my friends were all going to college, university. They knew what they wanted to study, or at least they thought they did, and they were they were you know one, two, or three years into you know a, a college game plan. And for me, again, it's I I actually, I went and actually sat through and audited several classes. I I went and sat through a handful of classes just to make sure that I wasn't missing something. And I walked out of uh, multiple classes after several weeks of doing that. And I thought, this is not where I want to be. And I'm very, very thankful that's the route that I chose. I have a a tremendous respect for education, I have a tremendous respect. If you're in an industry like you want to be a veterinarian, yes, yes, you got to go get that degree and that license. But if you are planning to go into a business environment, uh, there's a lot you can learn from people, there's a lot you can learn online, and there's a lot of other ways to get highly educated and highly trained outside of going to college.
1: Yeah, I really resonate with that. Um, Specifically, I mean, having spent a lot of money on education and, you know, basically my, (laughs) besides my mortgage, you know, my, my biggest monthly payment is my student loan bills. But the... You know, looking back on it, like if I had kids, you know, I might tell my kids now, unless you actually have to have a degree, you know, they're just like you said, there are so many people you can learn from and so many ways to really grow and build a business. And unfortunately, I think small business is really getting crushed in COVID. I, I feel, abs- you know, I feel absolutely terrible for the service industry and really being tied into the especially coffee culture and community as well. I mean, seeing so many friends across the country that have invested their, you know, life savings into opening their, their cafe and really being excited about it. And then essentially just having to close the doors because they can't sustain is really terrible. But I think without the, with this anomaly aside, I think that I might tell my kids like, Hey, like, you know, like I have a law degree. So like, you know, if I wanted to go practice law, I have to have that, that degree. And then I have to be licensed and, so it's like, you're right. I think if the if it if it requires it and then I would go for it. Other other than that, I think I would tell my kids like, you know, find something that you really enjoy and see if you can't make it, you know, solve a problem for other people that eventually you'll get paid for.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And and that's actually what we are telling our kids. I have a, a nine year old daughter and a twelve year old son, and both of our kids homeschool. And, you know, my my son, you know, he'll knock out two or three grades this year and, you know, he'll be done with the traditional process of school when he's 13 or 14. And everyone says, "Well, what are they going to do next?" And my answer is, "I'm, you know, I'm great with them taking some, you know, college level courses of finance or economics or things like that. We can do that online for basically free, or you can do it through a community college." I, I'm all about the information of how to read a balance sheet or, you know, things like that that are very practical to running a company. But the answer is, we're going to get him busy doing something. And to me, it's not a, a matter of what it is exactly; it's the idea of. I'd rather have him taking opportunities, figuring out how to grow professionally, how to grow personally, how to solve problems, and certainly, you know, like it to be profitable and like it to be productive. But whether that means going to work for someone or starting something, I'm way more interested at that point in him figuring out how to make things happen, solve problems, grow personally uh, that I am him figuring out how to continue to learn. If we hit the age of 13, 14, and he's done a phenomenal job with school, which he does, he's proven that he knows how to learn. He's proven that he can, he can learn. He can also teach himself how to learn. And so the next thing for me is, you know, you keep doing that for another 5 or 10, 15 years. If you want to be specialized as a veterinarian or an orthopedic surgeon, yes, you have to continue that process because you have to be the, the highest skilled in that profession Around, but if it's a business application, if you've proven you can learn, the next thing is can you prove that you can make mistakes? Can you get knocked down, get back up? Can you figure out innovative solutions? And so that's the game plan that we're taking.
1: Yeah, you know what's interesting is I had this, I was having a conversation with uh, Dr. Jennifer Chatfield uh, a number of weeks ago, and I think I brought this up to her too. Is there was an interesting survey that went around and they were surveying high school students. To kind of get a pulse as to what different cultures around the globe were like, what were their priorities? What did a lot of the kids seem see themselves being? And the sad thing was is that in the U.S., a majority of high school students said that they wanted their de- career to be uh, YouTube stars. That's what you know, YouTube and Instagram famous essentially. Where when they inter- interview kids in China, in like Japan, in Korea. Their answers were stuff like, I want to be a scientist. I want to be an astronomer. I want to be, you know, they have these like aspirations of doing something, um, solving bigger problems, right? And so I just think it's really refreshing to hear that, you know, there's still an aspect of the the United States that's excited about actually creating things and doing something different.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's easy in our society, in our world to get off in the weeds, with a bunch of really random ways to make a living, and you know, again, there's, you know, it's awesome that people are getting creative and finding new ways to innovate. But yeah, I, for, for me, it's what what is a meaningful what is a meaningful endeavor that actually adds value to people's lives and makes an impact in society, and then as a result, you benefit financially as well. And if you can figure that out, I don't care if it's you know, a painting business, window washing business, cutting people's grass starting a cafe or if it's real estate, it doesn't matter. It's find something you can do with excellence where you can make an impact in people's lives. And if you can do that, I'm all about it.
1: You know, so you said something interesting earlier. You said if it moved, I chased it. So can you elaborate on that? What exactly did you mean by that?
0: Yeah. I mean, so I got in real estate uh, brokerage side of it when I was 23. And at that point I'd been working for, you know, well over four years then I was looking to go to the next level professionally and financially when you get in real estate, especially commercial real estate, it's very different than residential. Residential, almost everyone has an aunt or an uncle or a cousin who's going to sell a house or a friend, and you, you network that way. You get into commercial real estate, you might know some people that have businesses, you can help them. But typically, there's a, lot more, uh, there's a lot more strategy to how you find deals than how you actually execute deals. A lot of people will go partner with a senior broker and basically just let that broker feed them or, or train them for years. I got basically thrown out there on the street and said, go make it happen. So for me, uh, I was doing retail deals, industrial deals, office deals, land deals. I mean, if I I even got a sense that there was an opportunity there, I'd go chase it down. And that gave me exposure to a lot of different industries. I was doing Walmart deals. I was doing, you know, so that's a 250,000 square foot deal that could take three to five years put together. I was also doing... A 1,000 square foot office warehouse machine shop as well. And so just completely different ends of the spectrum. And a lot of people don't like that because they want to be super focused or specialized. For me, uh, I didn't want to do that long term, but it was a great way for me to see a ton of different types of businesses and how people ran organizations and how deal structures came together. And I could put together an industrial deal in literally a day or two, whereas a Walmart would take three to five years. So for me, it was basically just the idea of I got a chance to see a ton of different types of transactions, different industries. And then when I got to the place in 2008, 2009, where I started doing more healthcare, I knew for a fact that's the industry that I wanted to spend the rest of my career working in because I had seen so many other areas. That was the industry that I knew that I could make the most impact in and that I felt the most called to.
1: So when when you were... How did you get your... Um... Because you said you started out in Michigan, is that
0: right? Yep. Started out in Michigan uh, and managed apartment complexes there for a little over a year and a half, almost two years. So
1: how did you end up in Colorado?
0: I put my stuff in my car. If it didn't fit, it didn't come. I drove 24 hours and landed uh, in Colorado and just got after it.
1: Really? So, I mean, was there... I mean, was it like, I want to move to Colorado because the mountains? Was there something about it, or you just picked a state and went?
0: Picked the state and went. Just looking for a fresh start. I'd been to Michigan my whole life. Love Michigan, a lot of great things there, but just wanted a fresh start, wanted a a new opportunity, and made the decision on a Tuesday that I was going to move. And Friday afternoon, I was uh, on the road (laughs) heading towards Colorado. And I knew one guy that lived in Colorado Springs. Barely, and I knew one guy that lived in Boulder. Barely, besides that, I didn't know anyone, and uh, just said, Hey, this is gonna be a fun adventure. Let's get after it.
1: That's interesting. I mean, so you kind of have this, like, I love it because it, it really resonates with me. Like, I, I'm a, such a sucker for change, right? Like, um, I love new adventures. I love trying new things. I hate feeling staying stagnant. And, you know, even just talking about your journey where it's like, all your friends are going to college and here you are like, no, I'm going to figure this real estate thing out. And then on a whim, you're just kind of, you're like, well, I'm going to move to another state. I mean, what, it is, what is it about these kind of like uncharted territories or uncharted waters that really get you excited?
0: The thing that gets me the most excited is, is I mean, I've said it a couple of times uh, in passing, but it's, it's personal and professional growth. Like it's the, it's the activity, it's the process and you know, a lot of people are looking for the destination. If I could just get this, if I could just own this, if I could make this much money, and that's great. Like the outcome, you know, the the end game is is great. But to me, it, it's the process. It's the the journey there. And so I, I mean, I've been in real estate now for almost twenty years. Uh, I've found new ways to continue to grow, to increase my skill set, to grow professionally. I started a company in two thousand nine. Just in Colorado 2014, we scaled it. We're now in 40 plus states and, you know, have more impact. But I found ways to continue to grow personally and professionally in the area that I'm the most interested in. And that's what I'm going for. I'm going for the personal and professional growth. It's fantastic to see, you know, the money come in. It's, it's, it's fun to see success and wins. That's great. But I'm, I'm all about the process. I'm all about the growth because if you get the process and you get the growth, all the other things that you're searching for come with it.
1: Yeah. So elaborate on that. I mean, what do you like say there? Let's just because this is all about people in VetMed, med. If there is a new young doc out there, what would you say to them about kind of getting involved in the process? How would you describe that?
0: Yeah, I think, there's, I think there's a couple different places you can be. I mean, there's, there's a time and there's an opportunity for people where they should work really hard to help other people be successful. They should learn, cut their teeth, learn from them. And depending on what your goals are, if your goals are to work two days a week and to raise a family and to have other things happening, then find the, the, the best hospital you can be a part of, the best clinic you can be a part of, and, and figure out if you can support and serve that person's vision and learn from them. And if you can, that's awesome other people, it's time for them to start their own practice and to get out there and make it happen. If that's the case, then then you've got to decide, are you willing to take that risk? And are you willing to go on that journey? And you're going to have to make some mistakes, get knocked down. That's part of it. There's tremendous uh, support systems and there's tremendous people that can direct you in the process and help you. But you've got to make the decision, are you willing to get after it? Are you willing to make some mistakes, get knocked down? And if so, Uh, then you just, you have to make that decision that I'm going to go try to figure out how to make it happen. And, and you've got to actually go do that. Uh, so I think there's, there's a number of places people can find themselves. But, uh, again, if you're looking just to own a big practice and make a ton of money, uh, I think that's the wrong perspective. You've got to have a perspective of, I'm going to grow personally. I'm going to grow professionally. I'm going to help employ people and and give them a phenomenal work-life balance, phenomenal work environment. I'm going to help them be more successful. I'm going to pour myself into them with training and with resources. And then I'm ultimately going to seek to help thousands or tens of thousands of patients per year. And if the focus is outward on other people and on the outcome, uh, I, I think the rest of the stuff just comes with it.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, you're really preaching to the choir with a lot of that, with a lot of the things you said there, especially when you said, you know, I'm going to create a a great work environment and a great culture and a great place for people to work. You know, as I have kind of built my career in technology throughout the years, that was always one of my goals is I had, I've worked at a number of organizations where the culture is terrible, uh, ownership is, doesn't get it. And finally, there was just kind of this, this straw, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back and it was like, well, if I'm really going to make this happen and I'm really going to help people realize that they're a person and not just a number on a, on an expense report, you know, or, and really trying to create a great place for somebody that doesn't have the kind of business spirit like myself, I really have to do this. And that's always been one of kind of my driving factors is, you know, how do I, how do I build enough you know, serve enough people to get enough revenue to now serve somebody else in a different capacity by giving them a good job.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. When you look at how can I have the best work environment, how can I have the healthiest culture? How can I have the most enjoyable experience for the patient, the customer, the client, the patron, you know, whatever your industry, that's a that's a very different outlook. Certainly you need to be profitable, otherwise you're not going to have a chance to stay in business. And there's things there that are, you know, that are more personal to to the owner, to you. But if your focus is on people and how you can help people and how you can make a difference in their life, the rest of the stuff typically just falls in line.
1: So what are you doing now? I mean, you've kind of transitioned from this younger, just kind of grab the bull by the horns and kind of go for it, load your car up and head to Colorado and figure it out. And now, you know, you have a family. So how are you focusing on personal growth? as kind of more, uh, I don't know what the right term is, but kind of in a different respect, right? Because it wouldn't make sense for you to pick up and just say move to California or Utah or something now. So how are you managing that with uh, the personal growth side of the family?
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, uh, being married and having kids gives you an opportunity to grow personally on a daily basis. <laughs> uh, there's There's no shortage of opportunities to figure out how to be, uh, a better dad, a better husband, a better, you know, friend, you know, better brother, son, et cetera. Uh, you know, life, life gives you unlimited at bats and unlimited opportunities to uh, die to yourself and to help more people, especially putting your family first. So that was pretty straightforward. Um, when it comes to work, you know, we, we were just Colorado for the first five years from 2009 to 2014. And then in 2015, we launched and went from Colorado to several other states. We're now in 40-plus states, and we have the opportunity to represent thousands of healthcare providers every year. From a professional standpoint, I mean, it's building a company or building, you know, uh, a platform that works in one state versus 40 or 50 states and going from having, you know, four or five people in an organization to having hundreds, that is a completely different (laughs) scenario and that gives me a chance on a daily basis to grow professionally. And that's, that's been a lot of fun. It's uh, learning things, figuring things out, getting mentored from other people that are super successful in other industries. And then just trial and error. I mean, how do you figure out how to do something that's never been done before when no one's can tell you how to do it because no one's done it. You just have to figure it out. And, and there's a lot of opportunities to grow professionally and personally and I, that's frankly what I love the most is I love the growth. I love the success. I love the numbers. I love the closing deals. That stuff's great. But I love the process of growing professionally. And it, it just never stops.
1: So what is it like, I mean, to kind of tie it back to the crazy year that it's been 2020, one thing that I now also see, and I think VetMed is a little bit isolated from this because it's one of those businesses where, you know, I think like Dr. Shadi's doing great things with vet triage, but there is always going to be a need for a brick and mortar veterinary hospital, right? Like I can't, although, I mean, I guess I saw a video the other day where a surgeon was doing practicing surgery from California to a surgical operating room in Israel, like over 5G. Like it was pretty crazy, but that day isn't quite here yet, but even in that regard, like you still need a physical location to get that animal or, or that pet or that patient, uh, physically serviced, right? Um, so I think it's the, the point I'm making with that is that I feel like Bitmed has been a little bit iso- isolated in the commercial space when it comes to the need for, uh, a building, but, because you're kind of involved in the commercial space, I would love your thought on, you know, how hard hit has been the industry when it comes to, like, office space? It seems like so many work environments are now, were forced to embrace the work from home, and they're just saying, yep, we're just going to stick with it, and we're going to uh, get rid of our office. Like, my wife's company, they had a small office here in Denver, and they were ones that are like, no, nope, we're just going to let our lease run out in October, and we'll just have everybody keep working from home. So what have you seen in kind of this big shift in commercial real estate in the need with this larger work from home kind of environment?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. What we've seen and we, I saw this, I've seen this twice. I've been through two economic recessions so far uh, in my real estate career, uh, you had the early 2000s, 2001, 2002, 2003, and it, it took a couple of years. And then and then the market crashed again in 07, 08, and then the commercial market really started to get impacted in 09, 10, 11. And what I've seen is healthcare is as resilient as any industry. Yes, people you know, in a down market, you might not... And let me, let me clarify that commercial real estate uh, for healthcare is very resilient. Healthcare providers are very resilient. In a down market you know, if, if the market dips, you might choose not to sell your house. Um, you might choose to spend less. The bottom line is though, if you have a health issue, you're going to the doctor. If you have, if your tooth hurts, you're going to the doctor. If your kid needs braces, even in a down market, you're going to figure out a payment plan and you're going to find a way to get, you know, that taken care of. If your dog has an issue, you're going to go to the vet and you're going to figure out how to pay for it. It's, it's really that simple. And, and we saw that. I mean, with the, uh you know, with this, the forced stay-at-home measures, I mean, the veterinary industry did phenomenal. I mean, I've seen I've seen some stats from different groups that survey a couple thousand hospitals across the country, and I mean, the stats that I was seeing was showing you know a, a lot of hospitals at all-time highs, uh, up ten, twelve percent year over year, June, July, August. Again, I know it's not everyone's story, but uh, you know, when it comes to veterinary health, I mean that industry is as strong as any industry in my opinion and when it comes to other industries medical whether it's whether it's elective derm plastics etc whether it's pediatrics it doesn't matter if you have a desire to get a procedure done you're going to find a way to get it done and if you have a need where you have to get it done you're going to make it happen and that's dental that's optometry that's that's you know veterinary it doesn't matter healthcare is as resilient as any industry in my opinion
1: so Yeah, and I think you're right. I think the vet success numbers talked about that a lot earlier, if anybody was kind of following that trend. I mean, we saw a big dip in the industry around March, I think was a big hit, but then it was like as soon as April came around, even while we are still under a lot of these restricted lockdowns, uh, the market and the day over day transactions started to normalize back to either year over uh, numbers or they are up over 2019. So, yeah, and I think that also speaks to a lot of the the bigger corporate buyer, you know, Mars getting involved in in the the veterinary space, and I think it's Mar- Mars European division that controls a lot of the UK market. If I'm if I understand that correctly, but it just seems to make a lot of sense. Um, so with that, shifting topics a little bit. Early on, you said in your career that you know you found people that were successful, and then kind of asked them to ask to like kind of shadow or learn from them. If there's somebody out there that's you know thinking about starting a new practice or maybe starting a new business as a, as a whole, how was that helpful to you and how do you go about finding those people?
0: Sure. Well, when it comes to starting a practice, you find someone that's done it uh, that's willing to help you. It doesn't have to necessarily be a veterinarian that's going to help you. It could be a consultant. It could be a practice management company you know, when it comes to real estate, like me personally, I've helped dozens of veterinarians start their own practice. I've helped dozens of veterinarians buy a piece of land, build their own building, lease space, and then help them assemble the team. And so, you know, I can't help on the actual practice management side, but what I could do as an example is I could help them get the best lender. I could help them figure out the best location, the best type of property, how to negotiate the best terms. I could introduce them to Architects, contractors, IT companies, et cetera, that specialize in those areas and then help them assemble the best team. And the game plan really for any person looking to start their own hospital or whether it's to go, you know, stop leasing and build your own, your own property or your own building, whatever it is, it's find people that have done the process before and then engage them. Don't try this do it yourself mentality. That, that is a fool's game plan. If you have the ability to leverage experience from people that have done it several times, dozens of times, hundreds of times, that's only going to position you to be more successful in the process. Certainly, you've got to trust the people. You know, Integrity is the foundation. You've got to like the people, trust them, and want to work with them. But there's so many people that have so much experience in so many areas that they can help you avoid the costly pitfalls and complications, the delays, all those things. And they can position your project to be as successful as possible. And then the same is true for hiring and training and figuring out how to use different software, et cetera. People will help you do that. You you don't have to read a hundred page manual on some practice manual software. There's people that will train you there. If you've never hired and trained staff, you've always been an employee and you've been hired and trained by people, but you've never been the one hiring and training, you know, leverage a practice management company that can help you do those things and you're going to get a much better result. They're going to tell you how to talk to people, what to say, what not to say, you know, how to start the how to start the employment off on the right foot and have the most positive experience, etc. I mean, that's that's the the game plan is find people that are qualified that know more than you do, leverage their experience, leverage their mistakes and then help them, you know, let them help you be as successful as possible.
1: So, do you have somebody or an example of somebody that was really impactful in kind of helping you kickstart your career?
0: I do. Uh, when I first started the company in 2009, I did not have a whole lot of help. I had to figure out a lot of things myself, and I was leveraging just past experiences—you know, uh, you know, wins and losses in my past. When I decided to go national in 2014, 2015. Uh, I tapped into two people that were incredibly helpful. Uh, one's name is Paul Milligan, and he has started a dozen plus companies. He's built he's built several companies up into the several hundred million dollar per year revenue realm. Uh, took the company public as well. And he was a, a tremendous resource to me, totally different industries, but the business principles uh, play across the industries. And then the other gentleman's name was uh, Billy Epperhart, and uh, Billy has a phenomenal background. He was a pastor for like thirty years, and then started getting interested in business, and then switched and became an entrepreneur. And uh, just tremendous, tremendous background between uh, doing something that really helps people uh, on a daily and weekly and monthly basis, and then and then taking that skill set and then going into business, and so between Billy and Paul phenomenal backgrounds those two gentlemen have helped me tremendously and they've they've imparted so much wisdom that I've been able to apply in our company and it's made a tremendous difference.
1: Yeah, so what was the what was the first state that you kind of expanded out to from Colorado?
0: You know, we we dropped into like five or six states almost simultaneously. We went into Utah, Massachusetts, Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, uh, Florida, we, we, we dropped into a bunch of states almost simultaneously.
1: You know, the reason I kind of asked that is you mentioned something earlier where you were talking about the challenge of going from like a five person company to hundreds of people. And it seems like, you know, this podcast had a different name originally. And then I ended up changing it to the people of veterinary medicine because it really, the conversation always came back to the people, so what has been your biggest success um in getting the right team and getting the right people and making sure that they're all kind of motivated and all the challenges that come with the HR piece of running a business?
0: Well, I I'll start with the challenges part first. Uh you know, early on I made a lot of decisions, you know, from my heart. Like people talk about, you know, you you, you make decisions from your head or from your heart. And certainly, you can break that down further. Uh, What I mean by that is, I would find people that I really liked. Like, I really liked the person. I thought they were great. Uh, I saw a ton of potential in them. I enjoyed being around them and I wanted to help them. And so, I made a bunch of hires with people uh, where I wanted to help them or I wanted to see their life transformed, but they didn't necessarily have the skill set. Like, the skill set side would be like the head part. All right, is the person qualified? Is it, is it potential or is it actually a proven track record? And so early on, I made a ton of hires with people that I liked personally, that I cared for them. I wanted to see their families and their lives transformed. But the reality is they didn't have the skill set. They didn't have the ability. They weren't proven. And I, I hired people and I promoted people based upon my desire for them to grow where they may didn't have the desire to grow or didn't have the capacity or skill set. And again, you can get in a ditch on both sides. You can hire just with your head and you can hire all skill set, but then you end up sometimes with the wrong culture, the wrong people, uh, et cetera. You can also hire with your heart, which is you want it more than they do. And that's a bad scenario. So I find myself early on hiring people that didn't have the skill set, didn't have the capacity, and then trying to, you know, want it more for them than they want it for themselves. And that put me in a, in a bad place in a handful of scenarios. Today I look for both. I've got to find, I've got to find the people with my head that have the skill set, that have the capacity, that have a proven track record, and then uh, you can also still find people that you really like, that you're drawn to, that you think are going to enhance your business, enhance the environment, the culture, that are going to uh, promote the the core values that are important to you. And so today it's it's head and heart, not just one or the other. So. I that's one of the biggest mistakes I made early on was just hiring the wrong people uh, for the wrong reasons.
1: So are you using like a recruiting firm to kind of help when you have a new position or, you know, what's your hiring process like?
0: We were all word of mouth for the first, I mean, we were all word of mouth, you know, for the first like 10, 11 years, we we do post positions now in markets where we're looking to add new people. Um, But it's, it's still predominantly word of mouth. And then, you know, it, we're you know we have in-house general counsel now because we have so many people in so many different states. We have to file stuff, and we're hiring a paralegal right now, so we'll post that position. Um, but a lot of the stuff we do is word of mouth, uh, predominantly.
1: And has that been? And it sounds like that's been a success. I mean, I think there's a survey that if somebody or there was a study, a survey, or I think it was a study that was done, like if your employees aren't willing to Kind of sell your company on your behalf, then you're kind of doing something wrong. That they're essentially on the, they're on the, they're on their way out. You know, they basically have one foot out the door as soon as a better um, opportunity comes along. So the fact that you've been able to kind of survive and grow with this word of mouth only on the surface says that you're doing something right. So what do you think are kind of the underlying? causes or, or results that have allowed you to kind of be word of mouth only and actually create a place where your internal staff want to recommend their friends and family to come work for the same company.
0: I, I think the number one thing that we have that, that gets people excited to talk about why people wouldn't want to consider coming to our company or why they'd want to join us is our culture. And we've been incredibly intentional to have a, a culture that has the foundation of integrity, has the foundation of teamwork, and camaraderie. And we, we just invest a tremendous amount of time and money into resources, training, and helping people. And it's just, it's very different. You know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, commercial real estate, as an example, is it's very cutthroat. A lot of the industry, a lot of the companies, it's very cutthroat. It's very aggressive. It's very vulgar. And we've just been incredibly intentional to create an environment that is that is safe and is healthy. And certainly by no means perfect because it's built with people, but we just, we just are very intentional with work-life balance. Like we don't want our people work to the bone to where their families regret that their, that their family member works here. We want, we want our, our team members, families to say, this is the the most amazing company we've ever worked for. Um, You know, we want kids to say, uh, you know, I have my dad or my mom works incredibly hard, but they have a a tremendous work-life balance. And when they're off they're with the family they're not doing stuff at different hours when they're supposed to be investing time in their kids they take vacations they take time off and they also know that you know that the company is continually trying to reinvest in our people and help them to be as successful as possible so i would say the most impactful thing that we have is our culture and we promote a tremendous work life balance and we just were very strong on on integrity and not cutting corners and having this be an environment where people are are comfortable and they trust it.
1: You know, what is interesting is you talk about this work-life balance. And I think that has been a big shift from this old economy, you know, this old economic mindset where it was like, I think which gave birth to, you know, I'm making a lot of assumptions here, but would be my thought around, you know, which gave birth to a lot of the labor unions is that people were just kind of machines and they came in and they were supposed to punch a clock. And then and then it kind of shifted to this idea of, uh you know, run yourself into the ground. There was like some sort, you know, like if you watch Mad Men, uh that series, it's almost like, You know, in the '60s and '70s, there there was like this pride of working so hard that you're sleeping at the office kind of uh, culture. And now we've seen this shift where, and I was talking uh, kind of about the same idea um, the other day. And I think you know a lot of people talk about millennials not wanting to work as hard, but for for me being somebody that's kind of on the in between generation, so I'm not quite a millennial and I'm not quite quite Gen X or whatever the one was before. I for me I almost see it as a lot of comp you know a lot they saw that their parents were kind of sold this idea that you know work really hard and you'll be successful and then you know companies were just laying off people year you know a couple of years before their retirement they're losing their pensions they were losing everything that they kind of ground their whole life to work for and it was all being ripped out from under them and I think the newer generation was like no way like I you know if I'm going to work really hard. I want to make sure that, you know, it's going to pay off in the end. I don't want this to be able to be ripped out from under me. And then I've all, and then you kind of also talked about this idea, you know, when you talk about the idea of work-life balance, you know, I personally worked for a number of companies where, you know, where, you know, you work on creating these, this value set or this idea and you're like, yeah, we want to create a work-life balance. And, you know, you have, upper management or ownership that's basically never around, right? They're always gone and they're always kind of doing fun stuff. But then in the interview, we're saying, hey, you know, we're really flexible with our time and, you know, we treat everybody like adults, but then we're micromanaging the amount of vacation time you have down to the minute. And even though, and then we're expecting people to work on the weekends, but that time isn't accounted towards accruing vacation time. So I've been in a lot of places where there's kind of this idea and it's a greater idea, but then manage, you know the way management employs it is completely different. So how have you kind of avoided that trap as to where you can really get behind the idea of actually a good work-life balance and it's not just kind of a nice idea?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot of companies struggle with this. For me, what it looks like is this. we We are a big fan of working very, very hard. But doing it in set boundaries. So I tell people, listen, when I'm working, I'm gonna hit it as hard as anyone's gonna hit it. But when I'm not working, I don't touch it. So I'm not texting people at night. I'm not. You're not gonna get a hold of me on the phone after five or five thirty. And I'm not gonna work weekends. And so you know, from seven thirty to five or five thirty, I'm gonna be as productive and as efficient as I can possibly be. And if I'm on, I am on. But when it comes to when I get done for the day and, I, and I'm st- and I'm not there. I'm not going to let people rob me from my family time. I'm not going to be sitting there at dinner uh, talking to my daughter about her day and then checking my phone and 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 sending the message that my text message on my phone is more important than hearing about my daughter's day or my son's day. So what we tell people is when you're on, crush it. If you're working, hit it as hard as you can. But you got to turn it off and you've got to be very intentional to turn it off. We are incredibly supportive of vacations and we are pushing people constantly to take time off. And we tell them, don't take your computer and turn your phone off. The, the world will keep will keep revolving around the sun. Nothing's going to stop working without you. You're, you're important, but you're not that important. People will figure it out if you're gone for a few days. Don't worry about it. And when you're off, go give your family the quality time that they deserve and, and give them amazing memories and invest in them. And then... You get the best of both worlds. When you're working, you're crushing it. You're making a difference. You're making an impact. People's lives are being positively touched by it. And then you're going to be more successful or more productive. And then when you're not working, don't work. I think the mistake most people make is they're always on. They're always looking at emails. They're always looking at texts. They're always looking at their phone. And that's a a really bad way to run your life. That's a game plan for getting... Uh, frustrated for getting run down and for telling your family that your work's more important. Work's very important, but it's not more important than the family. You need to work hard, but you need to also take time off and rest, take vacations, enjoy yourself, reinvest in your family. And the idea that you can't have both is foolish. You can have both, no question. And it typically starts with you just got to draw boundaries and draw lines. I, I'd love to help you. I'd love to take phenomenal care of you. Here's the time frames I can do that in. If you need me at seven o'clock at night, I'm probably not your guy. If you need me from seven in the morning till five, I'd love to help you. You need to call me at seven at night. I'm I'm not going to be your guy because I've got two, three hours a night with my kids. And uh, I've just, I've got to find a way to have the balance. And that's what I've chosen to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, really, I mean, I, I'm definitely one of those people that should be <laughs> taking that advice, you know, like I'm always on email and I really, you know, i You know, if somebody's like, "Hey, I need something done," I'm like, "Oh, no problem. I'll I'll do it after hours tonight." Some of that, to my own credit, I think is the nature of technology, right? Like, if there is, uh, you know, something that can be done after hours to not impact their daily work life, then you know it's going to be a better service to them, and and that's kind of just the nature of, of the business of technology. But, um, yeah, in a lot of respects, I definitely need to take that that medicine, right? I need to understand. Um that it's okay to to turn things off and not answer an email right away and and uh yeah, definitely an area of growth for me that i can I can learn from for sure
0: it's one of the hardest things people do, and we tell every person that comes in our company, we tell them what we recommend they do or don't do. We're not gonna tell them how to live their life or if they wanna check emails you know at seven o'clock at night or ten o'clock they can do whatever they wanna do, but it's one of the hardest things you could tell people is. Is you have your phone ring at seven thirty or eight o'clock at night and don't answer it you know don't listen to the voicemail if somebody texts you don't feel compelled that you have to respond immediately like I, I think it's foolish that people that people feel compelled that they have to respond to somebody who's stepping into you know their dinner time and they have to get them a response and so for me personally i don't I don't text for work. I know that seems ancient or, or old school, but I don't text anybody for work. Uh, outside and then I also don't have my emails on my phone. I don't check emails on my phone. I don't answer my phone after a certain time, and it just it just allows me to have a, a much better work life balance. And then the other thing is there too is I'm more excited to get back at it. Like when I get up in the morning and I and I turn my emails on, I can't wait to see what's happening, and I'm excited to get in that day. When I come back from a weekend, I'm excited to see what's happening, and I want to get back there because I've been out fully for the last two plus days, and I'm I'm ready to get back into it. So I don't get run down, I don't get wore down, I don't have the Sunday night blues, and I think that's a, a really key way of staying fresh and staying excited about what you do for a living.
1: Yeah, I love that you said the Sunday night blues is you know one one of my aspirations for this company as well was when I started it was. I've always had this motto of, you know, hashtag start living for Monday, right? Uh, Because so many people live for Friday night and Saturday and then they hate Sunday because they have, not because, not because that they're off, but because it's the last day before they have to go back to work, right? And that's no way to live a majority of your life dreading a bulk of it, right? Dreading the the day-to-day grind and, um... Yeah, I, I definitely didn't. You know, time is one thing that you can never get more of, and so it's like I didn't want to waste my time fretting. You know, about Monday, I wanted to start living for Monday.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think that the the big focus should be that it's not either or; it's both. You don't have to you don't have to live for the weekend uh, or regret or you know, resent getting back to work. It's you can live for the weekend. You can also live for Monday as well. You can have a phenomenal work-life balance. And I think also the more the more time that people take off and invest in their family, the more healthy and they re- the more refreshed they are. Like for me, I take plenty of vacations, and I'm excited to get back to work when I'm done with it. Whether it's a three-day break or a long, you know, five-day break at Thanksgiving, if you just had, uh, I enjoy the time that I'm off because I'm focused on my family and I'm focused on me personally and my you know things that are important. And then when Monday comes around or come back from vacation or break, I'm excited to get back after it and make it happen until the next little break.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, as I was like listening to your story, it made me think that, you know, when you talk about the, the fact that you don't even have email on your phone, the big difference that I could see there from an outsider's perspective is that, you know, at some of the organizations I was talking about before it was like, there was one message coming down from ownership but then the actions that were being taken were contrary to that, right? So they're saying, yeah, you know, we need you working all the time. We need you working weekends. Ownership's constantly gone. Pretty much, it seems like on a permanent vacation and then expecting everybody else to be around. And so it's this conflicting message of, oh, I should be able to kind of do things when I when I can and there's no really clock punching. But yeah, you're expecting me to, to punch a clock. And then, you know, but in your case, like you don't have email on your phone. So somebody knows that once you step away from your desk, they're not going to be able to get to get you, right? And so for them to not do the same thing, you're giving them that green light, right? You're giving them that okay and you're, you're really leading by example and not setting con- conflicting messaging.
0: Yeah, and, and we're, very, we're very clear on that too. We're, I'm never going to ask anybody to do anything that I haven't done or that I wouldn't do. Period. If, if I if I'm not willing to do it, or if I wasn't willing to do it when I was in their position, there's no way I'm going to ask them to do it today. There's got to be a consistency with leadership um, in the entire organization. If I'm going to take, you know, if I'm going to take a five day break at Thanksgiving, I, I think you should take one too. If you want to. If you choose not to, that's your prerogative. But uh, I'm not going to take. I'm not going to take time and then tell you that you can't take time. That's just not how it's going to work. And you know, I equate it to like lifting weights or working out. I mean, you can't, you can't lift weights and work out hard seven days a week. And you can't, you can't do those things. Like if you're a professional athlete, you have to rest your body, you have to rest your mind, and you, you gotta find the right balance. It's no different. If you have people that are working for you six, seven days a week, or they're always quote on, or they're always paying attention, they're gonna get run down. They're gonna get worn out. They're gonna resent things. They're gonna be hoping for a different, lifestyle that they don't have, or they're going to get so accustomed to the current one, they're not going to know the difference. And that's not where you want people. You want people to understand the benefits of work-life balance. You want people to experience work-life balance. And then you want them when they're on to be the best they can possibly be. And then the game plan of how to get there is let them get refreshed and replenished. And when they're off, don't bother them. Don't. <laughs> I don't call people after 5, 5.30 ever, if I can help it. I mean, if there's an emergency, that's different. And you know again there's there's certain industries have emergencies and they have after hours i'm not talking about that i'm talking about a traditional traditional model but i'm not going to call someone at 6 if i don't want you to call me at 6
1: right yeah exactly
0: <laughs> i'm trying to live the life that i want you to live as well and you know that that's how we do it
1: yeah so as we're starting to get down towards the end here there's you know you said something earlier that i would like you to kind of reflect on a little bit more and when we were, we were kind of talking about this, your hiring process and and what your struggles were, and, you know, you really, you talked about, and I think this is really more for me because I'm such a people person. And a lot of times it's like, you know, you find people that you really like and you want it to work out. And then, you know, you, you said something, you wanted it more than they did. So what did you mean by that?
0: you know you i'd see someone and i would realize if this person would just follow my advice and they would they would do what i tell them to do and they would you know they they would step into the process and give it their all that they could have uh a better life you know maybe financially work life balance they grow professionally and personally and I would see all the benefits of if they would take my advice or or allow me to help them or, or mentor them or, or teach them. And yet if they don't have the desire to change personally or they don't have the desire to go to the next level, you can't you can't make it happen for them. It's the idea of, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make that horse drink. And so I would see people and I would see people that they would tell me, you know, I have a desire to see this changed in my life, or I have a desire to have this, or, you know, it's always been a goal for my family and I to have this or that. And they have all these things they want, but they're not willing to actually get out there and make it happen and work for it. It's, you know, when it comes to someone saying, I'd love to be a veterinarian, but are they willing to go dedicate eight, 10, 12 years of education to get there? That's a different story. Uh, Someone could say, I'd love to own my own practice, but are you willing to, you know, step into the process where you have to go borrow, you know, a half million, a million or $2 million and then embark on a brand new process and journey that you've never been on before. That's a different story. I mean, it's it's easy to say, I'd love to, I'd love to own 10 hospitals. Well, are you willing to take the steps necessary to own the first hospital? So for me, I would find people that would say, I'd love to, you know, make more money have a better work-life balance, be a part of your culture, all these things but at the end of the day, they weren't willing to put in the work or their effort that it takes to get to that next level. And so I would see people that wanted things. I would want to help them get there because I I enjoy seeing people's lives transformed. But then I'd find myself wanting it more than they would or or trying to help them get there when they weren't willing to help themselves get there. And that's a that's a bad combination. Again, that's 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 trying to get uh that's trying to get someone to do something that they don't want to do or they're not willing to do. And you're gonna end up in a frustrating scenario.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm really glad that we were able to spend this time together because, man, there were so many things about your story and and just your take on life that really just resonate with me. And listening to tell you, listening to you tell that last story, um, it really resonated with me because I can just hear your desire to really help somebody else, you know, and really to help see somebody succeed. And one of the you know, one of my greatest accomplishments in life so far um, is to have a former uh, staff member that I kind of was overseeing and trying to help grow. Uh, They reached out to me and they're like, you know, I'm really going to miss you. You were really a great leader and a great mentor. And I really appreciated you always helped me trying to figure out how to take that next step. And it was like things like that that were really rewarding for me. Um, And so to kind of hear you have that similar desire is just, it really resonates with uh, my values and the things I'm trying to accomplish.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think the questions of, you know, what do you want to see different in your life? You know, what does it look like? Let's get specific lifestyle, work-life balance, income wise, professional, personal growth, impact, influence, what does that look like? And then if people can't lay that out there, they're probably not going to be willing to go make it happen. If they can lay it out there and tell you what they're going for, they actually have a, a vision for it. That The next question or set of questions comes down to, all right, are you w- really willing to make it happen? Are you willing to make the, the the steps or take the steps necessary to grow and and probably make some sacrifices to get there? And that's where the rubber meets the road. And if you get if you get the answer you need there, that's great. But if someone can't convince you of that, then you're, you know, you're going to end up trying to, you know, push a very heavy rock up a very steep hill and it's not, it's not the place you want to be.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, thank you so much for your time. And uh, at the end, the only other canned thing that I always like to do is that, you know, it's the last few minutes here is just uh shameless self-promotion. You know, where can people find out more about car realty Um, any events or anything you have coming up that you want people to know about uh, now is your time to kind of to put it all out there
0: I appreciate it best way for people to connect with us is our website and that address is car.us c-a-r-r.us upper right hand corner there's a couple options one you can click to find an agent so if you're in Boston and you want to find an agent there great if you're in Seattle you can find an agent there That's a great resource if you want to start a conversation with someone uh, that specializes in your industry and your market. Uh, Other thing that you can find in the upper right-hand corner is a free evaluation. If you want to know what it would look like if you were to go from leasing and then you were to go purchase your own property or building, we'll run that analysis for you at no cost. If you want to know how your current lease compares to the market we'll do a lease uh, analysis for you and we'll tell you that you have a a good average or bad lease. And we'll tell you what it looks like for your next opportunity or transaction of how we can improve it. Uh, And so a lot of things there as well. When should you start your next transaction? We'll tell you that. What's the right time frame, the window? Uh, That's that's all there. And then we have a huge resources tab too that has hundreds of videos, articles, blogs, uh, commercial real estate glossary, FAQs and we can help people avoid a significant amount of complications and pitfalls uh, in that area. So whether it's you want to get more educated, you want to start a conversation personally with an agent that could help you specifically, or you just want to get information about your current lease, your current scenario, we have all that. It's 100% free on our website, and that's a great place to start.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for your time today, Colin. It was really a pleasure to to get to know you and to hear your story and your adventures and everything that you've done. And so much of it resonated with me and uh, it truly was an honor to get to to chat with you today.
0: Thanks for having me on. It's it's been fun.
1: Well, yeah, well likewise, enjoy your holiday and uh, I'll definitely be in contact soon.
0: Take care. Bye.